Hello and welcome to another episode of Your Intention Matters, the podcast. On this episode, I have Pat Laferre, GM over at Stokely Stewart Consultants right here in Toronto. Welcome, Pat. All right, thanks for having me. Absolutely. Listen, say hi to everybody and a quick intro into who you are. My name is Pat Laferre. I'm currently the general manager of uh, Stokely Stewart Consultants in Toronto. We're a full-service boutique recruiting firm. We work all across North America. All right. Well, Pat, thanks for allocating some time here. Are you ready to share your story? Happy to. All right. So let's get into it then. So listen, so let, let's take you back to the beginning. Sheridan College, early to mid-70s, you graduate yeah. with a degree in computer programming. wasn't a degree. It was a diploma, actually. So what happened was in my high school, I had taken the technical stream and not the academic stream. So I couldn't go right to university. So I thought that College was a good choice, and computers was a great choice. So I took the two-year program, Computer Program Assistance Analysis. Well, I liked computers, but I hated the program. Got it. It, it was all coding and details and minutiae. It made me crazy. So l- let me ask you this. What, what, as you're graduating and you're getting ready to, to start your life and your career, right. uh, and you're in the recruiting game and have been for some time. Uh, was that in the mix at all? Never. Okay. Never. So- Keep going. What I had thought, what I had thought for most of my my young life, if you will, is that I'd like to be in sales somewhere. And I thought computers was the up and coming area to be in. And it never dawned on me actually to, to consider going into sales or computers, which would have probably made me a, a very wealthy man today. But um, what happened was I had always felt that I wanted to be in sales of some kind. And so, uh, you know, it suited my personality, it suited my character. And so I started to look for a pathway to, to sales. And nobody's going to hire a kid right out of college and make him a sales guy. So I looked for a path. So I joined um, a food and coding company in Toronto and their inside sales. And um, um, I spent like six months doing that with the promise that I would go into technical areas and technical sales. Well, they didn't keep that promise. And so I left there and and um, I spent a little time in Yukon just uh, hanging out with my brother. But then I wanted to get into sales again. So I came back to Toronto and um, I got a job in the chemical business as a branch manager because for many of my summers, I worked um, transportation and distribution and trucking. Hmm. So they liked the idea. I'd been in customer service and been in transportation. And at 23, I was the branch manager of a chemical company with inside sales, warehouse and distribution. But I told them, listen, I'll do this happily, but I really want to be in sales. They said, sure, sure, one day, don't worry about it. Well, two and a half years later, one of the sales guys quit. And um, I said, remember me, I want to get into sales. So long story short, I got into sales, got my briefcase, got my company car, and I had already spoken to all these clients anyway. And so off I went, and I was just the happiest guy on the planet because I was now a full-fledged sales guy. And I covered Ontario and right down to Windsor. And so what were you that, selling? I was selling ingredient chemicals, uh, lubricants, plastics, chemical food ingredients. We were the largest manufacturer of acetaminophen in uh, North America. So I'd call on pharma companies, food companies, pipe manufacturers, pulp and paper. I did a big deal at Thunder Bay and pulp and paper. 
So for those years, so for five years, I was a sales guy, and then they made me the regional sales manager for Bank Area in Western Canada. So things are going great. You know, I was making good money. I was selling. I uh, I had uh, some career progression. I was happy as Glenn. And then they decided that they're going to leave Canada. They wanted to abandon the chemical division and embrace their pharma side. And so they gave all of our business to a distributor in Canada and said goodbye to everybody who was important. And so, did, so, so they packaged you off? Oh, yeah. So, yes, they gave no. me a bag of money and I have a handshake. And so how, how long were you uh, in that process of, of seeking new employment? How long was that? Uh, was it months? Well, was it weeks? Was, was it a year? But here's what happened. I had always said, if I ran this place, I'd run it differently. So I had had some good friends in the chemical business, and I arranged for a partnership as a small business in a chemical distributor. Um, and I did that for about a year and a half, and um, it was a good idea, but a bad partner. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, it turned out, you know, I, like I was losing my shirt. And um, so I finally realized I needed a job, like a job. Yeah. So I went to a recruiting company who was advertising a chemical sales job, right? Natural, natural progression. In your wheelhouse. Sat down, cost, think about it for a second. I was kind of whipped. I was kind of beat up. I was disappointed my business wasn't working. And I go to a recruiting company and they said, well, Pat, sure, we'll put you on this job. But it'd be great for us. And I went, really? Somebody wants me. <laughs> Hey, Pat, it's all sales. You got to sell the idea to the company that you use your service and you got to go sell the idea working for them to the candidate and you sell the candidates back to the company. So it's all sales. Well, that's when I joined Santa Moore and Associates and I spent, you know, a bunch of years there. Um, the problem was I couldn't get through the glass ceiling of money. I really, you know, I was making okay, but I just couldn't, I couldn't make enough. You know, it, there wasn't enough growth. I couldn't develop the business enough. And so I thought to leave and a little shiny object came along and kind of attracted me. Um, and I went, you know, that's a, isn't that the kind of the plus minus on being in sales? Like the, the minus is that uh, it, it's a tough job uh, and that you really earn everything that you get and, and nothing is really handed to you. But the plus behind it is that you, in most cases, you have that unlimited potential in terms of uh, uh, there's no ceiling in a lot of cases with what you can earn. And that's why there's such a, you know, a magnet to, to being a salesperson. But I want to take you back to your decision when your company decides to leave Canada and you decide, well, wait a second, I, I, I think I can do something here. Uh, and your comment, uh, I think, rings true with most people that if I ran the show here, I would do this, 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 and this. Right. And so then you decide, well, mid-20s at this point? No, I think I'm 33. Okay, so early that. 30s, still, you know, not, still fairly young, really, with, with the rest of your career in front of you. You decide, oh, I'm going to take this on. And you did that for 12 to 18 months, give or take? Yeah, so, and so I had to go and build up a whole bunch of business that he didn't have. So I had to go and face the dragon again. Pat, talk to me about the decision to end that partnership when you when you finally realized that the person that you were working with, it just and, and not no disparaging term of the person you were working with, but that must have been a hard decision because you're going down this path and you think I, I, I'm on this, I'm on the right trajectory here, but you've had to make a decision that the partner I'm working with just isn't uh, isn't the right fit here. So talk to me about that decision. Easy, hard. Well. It's interesting because remember when I came out of the chemical business, I got a small, I got a severance. So I had a cushion. Mm. Well, and then I thought, well, I'll let that cushion 
bridge me through till I, I can make the business grow. And so in 12 or 18 months, I realized that the fellow that I was hooked up with was double dipping on, you know, I wasn't getting his true cost. He was getting a cost and adding a fee and then selling it to me and then sharing what I made on it. I see. So the problem was it was so self-limiting. And so it took me a while to discover that I, that no matter what happened, I couldn't make the money and my, my bridge was running out my, mm. my safety net that I got from leaving. So I didn't mind the risk, but I had to come to a realization that said, come on, I still need to feed my family and take care of um, wh what's going on. Yeah. And so I needed to get a job again, but I wanted one that had some potential in it to make some money. Right. And so that led you to uh, St. Amour in the recruiting sure. space. And you right. were there for a, a pretty long stretch. I mean, six, seven, eight years you were there. Uh, right. Talk to me about your decision to leave. That couldn't have been easy either after a long haul within the same organization. Well, I think that it, our business is really kind of feast or famine often. You know, I've lived through three big recessions in the economic world. And um, um, so you just start to get ahead of it. And then you'd have two crap months and, you know, you'd fall down into the draw again. And so there was this up and down and it always had hope, but um, I had to balance off my responsibilities. I had, um, um, I had remarried and we had a lot of kids and <laughs> we just, yeah. So there was some responsibilities that couldn't be denied. So I had to kind of balance that out. So um, I felt that this, when I left that I was going to something that had much more hope and a different culture. And it was, uh, I was just wrong about that, entirely wrong about that, you know? And so in three months and I had to look for another home in recruiting. I felt that it was something I liked to do. I knew people were making good money and I just needed a home that was going to give me the room. And so I found um, Ernie Stokely who ran Stokely Dudley, uh, Stokely Dudley Consulting at the time and um, joined him as a recruiter. And within 24 months, I was um, above average earning and never looked back. Well, that's impressive. And, and how long did you, uh, how long was your tenure at uh, Stokely Dudley? Well, other than going, I think it was about eight years and then I went to Africa. Sorry, did you say eight years? I think so. Eight years. Okay. So eight years and then you left. Yeah. Okay. So that, that's interesting to me because I, I, and I, I'm making this up in my head here, so keep me honest, but I presume you left electively on your own. Oh, sure. Okay. Are but, you kidding me? He was mad. He was, he was mad. I was gone. What happened was, I don't tell short stories, so forgive me, but I'm my, all wife and I, my wife and I had gone to a new church. So we were there with a couple of our kids and then the pastor says, Hey, listen, we're going to, we're raising money to build a home for orphans in Africa. So everybody did fundraising, et cetera. And then he come up and he said, okay, we've raised the money. Everybody cheers. And he said, so now who wants to go? And I went, go? I thought we were just sending the money, right? So I had done 15 years of uh, community service work and teamwork and building things in and around Toronto and a few associations that I belong to. And my kid said, oh, Pat, you'd be great for that, you know? And so what turned out that my, myself, my wife, and our two youngest daughters all went on this two-week trip to Malawi to build a home for orphans. 
but we were housed with a couple of um, missionaries from Newfoundland who showed us in Africa that we could never have imagined. They showed us behind the curtain in so many places. And we met a doctor and his wife from Calgary who had sold the, everything and moved to Malawi and was helping these people way out in rural Malawi. So I had seen a few people, but I liked this guy. And I said, hey, I could get behind what he's doing. So he wasn't doing any fundraising in Toronto. So um, I offered to kind of get on board. So us and some of the people at the church got him on CFRB. We did events mm-hmm. here. We raised some money. But meanwhile, he would stay with us, and we got to know each other. And um, then in November of 2005, I heard that his country manager wasn't going to re-up his contract the, fall, the coming July. So I said to my wife, I said, in. I said, I have a crazy idea. I said, what if I get that job? What if we went back to Africa? I became the country manager and we ran that. Well, it turns out that my wife had been studying uh, theology for 13 years. She had actually got uh, a bachelor's, two masters and a doctorate in theology. Wow. And she said, at least if I, if not, it's a crazy idea, Pat, but if we were to go, at least I could teach in the Bible college. Well, let me tell you, they had never met a teacher like my aunt. <laughs> so we, we, you know, we talked to the board of directors. They flew us up to Calgary. They flew me back to Africa for a couple of weeks to make sure we're doing some right. I said, Pat, you were only in Africa for 10 days. What are you thinking? I said, I don't know. And, uh, and again, uh, I don't know how many religious people are listening to this, but I just felt God called me. And I answered. And we answered. So we packed up our stuff took the job and we were there for five years. So we grew from 22 staff to 70. And in, and, uh, in the last year, we saw 195,000 people and gave them free medical attention and free medicines. We I built two and a half million dollars worth of new um, clinics and housing for the staff. And it was a great, great adventure and a blessing. I thought we were blessed to go. Pat, what a great, um experience you must have felt um so proud of the results that you and your team created and the impact that it had on those that you touched you must have been just amazing we felt that when personally i felt the call to go and then there was that great sense of satisfaction that we actually got to do something really important and really cool and it was crazy tough and it was all manner of things that i had never done all the way from driving on the wrong side of the road to dealing with government agencies, but it was an adventure. And I was, I recruited like 50 people. So that's what I did. You know, I mean, I brought some of my skills to this and I was, uh, I wasn't really good on the finances, but I learned all that. And so we were running about a $3 million budget. And um, then it was 2009, 2010, uh. the financial crisis of the world. We lost big donors and we were either going to have to close it entirely or roll it back to where it was. And so we chose to roll it back to where it was, it was now just gonna be one little thing, down right thing, which meant that now I'm 62 years old, I have to come back to Canada um, and I needed a job. Okay, so that, that, that's an interesting time in your life that there are circumstances <laughs> that are, are, are somewhat forcing you to do this because they're out of your control and I think you know, anybody who is, is really listening to this old enough, we remember 2008, 2009, even 2010 was not exactly um, you know, the most amazing time uh, from a commerce perspective. But you have circumstances outside of your control 
and you know you're in your early 60s and then you're now coming back to Canada and so yeah. did you come back to Canada with a job did you come back without a no. job no without a job and as a matter of fact we thought we were going to retire in Africa the doc was in his early 70s hale and hardy he could have worked till he was 80 nobody cares over there so we thought we were moving to Africa to retire we kept, we came back every year around for a month in around October but then when I'm 62, now I'm back. And the fact is, it was an emotional roller coaster. I was frankly whipped. Mm. I didn't have the, it took a lot out of us to have to leave it and close it, see our dreams die, and then come back here and go, oh my God, I'm back in Toronto, right? But, so I, I really couldn't go back to recruiting right away. I just didn't have the knuckles, or I, I didn't have that, the, the energy I, you need to run this business. So I, tried to reinvent myself and say, well, what do I know and who do I know? And so I started to look at jobs in NGOs. And because I'd done so much volunteer work, I'd worked with so many, uh, so many different teams, they needed a director of build site experience at Habitat for Humanity. So I took that job at a, an okay salary, great team of people, loved, great organization, really great hearts. And we built all kinds of homes in the city of Toronto for two and a half years. Um, but I stayed in touch with Stokely, and um, eventually I got a call from uh, Trevor, the president, who said, hey, listen, my general manager for Toronto is just taking another job. Are you interested in coming back? Well, you know what? I, did, I like recruiting. I, I, I'm good at what I do. I still had some, a few old friends who were happy to hear that I was back. And I said, because now I'm 64 and a half, mm. and now I'm in a corporate job, and I'm thinking, I don't know how long that's going to last, but nobody cares how old you are when you're a recruiter. As long as you give good phone, you know, I mean, they don't care. They can't tell if you're 55 or 75. So I came back and, um, you know, it took me a while to get reestablished, but um, here I am and uh, we're building a team and it's going fine. And, and, and uh, when did this happen when you decided to leave Habitat for Stokely second time? Well, it was four years ago. Okay. So 2015, 2016, 15, 14? Yep, like that. In that range there. Okay. Like that. I'd have to look myself from my resume. No, but. that's fair. That's fair. Okay. And so um, any, any regrets leaving Habitat for Humanity to get back into recruiting? No. No. Um, the, the upper management had changed. Um, they had been making some uh, corporate. They were amalgamating Peel, um, the North, and the GTA. So now there's going to be three, three Habitats together. They were having to become more modern. It was... Um, I thought at 64 and a half, I didn't, I couldn't see another five years with them mm. and I wanted to keep working. And so when I, when I looked at recruiting, there is no, I, I have a friend who's 82 years old. He runs marathons and he sings opera and he's still a recruiter. So I looked at this as saying, if I want to keep working and I want to still make an above average income, then recruiting would be a good choice. So I came back and it's been good. Pat, I really appreciate you sharing your story here. I, I, I want to try and, and, and summarize this here. So you, you graduate with a diploma in computer programming back in the early 70s. You then convert that into a career, customer service, sales, and then into a long career in recruiting. You, you then have a moment where something is calling you to do something different where it's not even just in Toronto where you just, you, you're moving to a different building, but you decide to pick up your life, move your family to Africa for, for something that was drawing you. So the power of intention was there. 
you have a great run. Unfortunately, the circumstances outside of your control factored into your decision to come back to Canada. You realize, listen, I'm not ready to go back into recruiting just yet. I don't know if I have that. So what do I know? And then you, you have a three to four year uh, experience at Habitat for Humanity. Then you get a call because you're a trusted person. Hey, listen, somebody's moving on. What do you say? And here it is five years later and uh, you're in growth mode at Stokely Stewart and uh, you're still going strong. And you know what? That's that's a great summary. And, you know, I'll be 70 years old in the summer and um, I feel 55 or 45. I mean, it's it's not about age and it's it's really about attitude. And um, uh, and I like what I do. And I, I feel that even in this recruiting, I find people good jobs. Mm. I am a great service to the clients. They can't they can't find these people without a scout. And so I still feel like I'm giving value for my for my time and my money. And um, and there's a sense of satisfaction that I'm helping both sides. I'm a bit like a marriage broker that way. And so I like it. And um, now I'm teaching other people how to do this job. But I guess the part that I that I didn't put into the story intentionally was that we have 10 children. Wow. They were, they were all adults when we left and they <laughs> obviously still adults, but we had 10 children, a whole bunch of grandchildren. And both my wife and I felt that there was enough purpose in this for us to give it a shot. And, um, and so, um, you know, they, some of them visited us from time to time and, uh, and, and felt they understood us not being here. It was really, mm. it was really quite a, a decision. And the partnership of my wife was critical to it all. And we both learned and grew a bunch. But it comes back to when some of the things that we've talked about is that, you know, I think that we all have a capacity to do some good in this world, whether it's in our job or outside of our job. And, um, and I think that that's always worth doing. Pat, thanks so much for uh, taking the time to share your story. It's a pretty cool ride you've been on. <laughs> well, I feel that it is. And, uh, and you know, uh, did, I, did I give up some of my prime money-earning years? Yeah, I did. Um, and has that all worked out the way I thought? Yeah, exactly. But you know what? Um, we're still alive and well and, um, and feeling like we're doing what uh, God put us here to do. So we're all good. Well, on that note, uh, I think we'll wrap this one up right now. Great. Well, Great. listen, it's been nice chatting with you. And, uh, you know, this has uh, uh, been a good experience for me as well. Pat, I appreciate your time, everybody. Thanks for listening. Remember that your intention matters because that's the result you'll tend to get. We're out of here and uh, we'll see you next week. Go Leafs and go Raptors. Go Raptors.